What's going on, everybody? I'm Mateo, and this is Ignorant, the podcast, where I invite all sorts of different people to make me less ignorant to who they are, what they do, how they do it, what it takes to do it, and the perspective they have on life. With that being said, I have my co-host, who's here sometimes, Mav1, and the main guest, Arpon. What up? All right. So go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Everybody know what you do, you know, and uh, who you are. Where are you from? Sure. So my name is Arpan Shahed. Um, I am originally from Bangladesh, immigrant to Canada. Um, I immigrated again to the United States, did medical school in the United States, and now I'm working at a, as a physician here and a professor at Michigan State University. I'm also um, a breaker, a b-boy, representing BAD crew from Detroit. Um, hit us up, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, that's how I met you, to breaking community. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. one, of course. Um, so you went to school the whole time at Michigan State? Yeah, so I did my undergrad at uh, Western University in London. I did a master's degree in Calgary, Alberta in biomedical technology. And then I ended up getting into a couple of medical schools in the United States. Um, it's a really difficult process, that application for medical school. Um, I was trying in Canada for a couple of years. I was thinking about going to Ireland, Australia. Ended up getting into the States at a couple of uh, universities, and I chose Michigan University, uh, Michigan State University. Okay. Um, close to home, you know, yeah. and across the border and stuff like that just made sense. And it was a great school, too. At what point did you move here? Um, I came here in... 2014 is when I started medical school here. I didn't know anyone. So you go to high school or nothing here? No, nothing like that. So I knew not, I'd never even been in Michigan until I moved here for for medical school. By any other part of America you were? Mm, Honestly, not really. Dang. Yeah, so mostly in in Canada. I think I had gone to Texas to see some family at some point. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I didn't really know much about about the United States other than what I saw on TV, like George Bush. When I George Bush, that's just a good example of yeah, because literally, like, because when we came to Canada, it was like really quick. We didn't come by choice. Like, there was yeah. a lot of stuff going on in the country and my dad was in the military so we were being threatened our family so when we in came the military? What yeah military? uh the bangladeshi military and he worked oh, for wow. the united nations also okay. um and he stood up against corruption and our family was threatened and his friend was actually murdered oh, wow. and so my dad was like yo it's not worth it and he was a brigadier general then so yeah. like it's pretty up there in like the ranking for the military yeah. and he was like it's not worth it so we just dipped like literally dipped without yeah. a plan, um, pulled up in Canada, and then pulled up and 9-11 happened. So we're like, I was like, what is going on? Uh, that was a rough, time. <laughs> was a rough, yeah. rough time, man, 2001. I was like, yeah. your whole life changed, you know, in a couple of months. It's kind of crazy. Oh, man, that could be a whole Pakistan zone. What was it like after? What was life like after that? How old were you after that? I was 11, I think. When How old are you now? Me, 31. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Crazy, though. Yeah. Can't think about it. Yeah, kind of wild. I didn't. I, I knew your pops was in the military, but I didn't know like general that and everything. And then I'm just thinking, like, oh, you don't have military, like the the the, the army brat thing. But your dad wasn't 
U.S. military, so of course it would have. It was a whole probably a different, whole different fucking experience. Different, yeah. He's an artillery man. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. So I spent a big part of my childhood traveling with him, mm-hmm. and he was in charge of a lot of development in different areas. And my my dad grew up like dirt, dirt poor, uh-huh. and he was the oldest in the family, so he was like supporting his other siblings, paying for them to go to school. Yeah. So he, you know went to the military just to get some cash you know yeah. basically but he's a smart guy he, he did school in the military he worked his way up um but for me like growing up as a kid like all the soldiers loved him like he was like a very like a very like um loved yeah. general like you know what i mean like yeah. so yeah. i grew up in an environment where i was like damn i want to be like that guy yeah i mean my dad can be an idiot don't get me wrong <laughs> you know we fight like cats and dogs but no, he was the man growing up, and you were just like, I learned a lot of discipline from him and how to treat people. And I think yeah. that's where, like, why I started, like, thinking about how I wanted to use my life and why I went into medicine was yeah. just literally, like, me watching him take care of poor people yeah. and being, like, me helping him out. Or, like, he's like, all right, we're going to cook for this family in this village. It wasn't even, like, like you know, some of the stuff was just, like, making sure people had meals, you yeah. know, and which was, like, over, like, People in the military don't think about that stuff. You know what I yeah, mean? They yeah. leave that for someone. But my dad was like, that was his first concern because he's like, I didn't have a meal when I was that age. Like, I didn't yeah. have three meals a day. So Yeah, it seems like our people come out of our military and they just have a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> like, they're, scary. They're, like, they're like, you're social the, media ranting yeah, about yeah. people saying other people need to work as hard as them. And shit. Yeah. <laughs> See, they're, they're like, they completely understand it and they're like, yo, this whole system needs to go or they're like drinking the tea and have like f-350s lifted yeah uh, exactly. like there's no yeah. in between like, yeah it's like kind of no scary race, yeah. Too, yeah no matter the race they get brainwashed to come out like i feel totally bad almost it's like you come out of that setting where you're like supporting your country and it's like good chance you're gonna be messed up or something like that you know yeah. you're just like everyone's like oh you're a military like thank you for your service which is like awesome or it's like are you also like okay yeah, like yeah. people ask which is kind of messed up you know yeah. yeah i know this guy it's like he's cooked uh, and he, when he talks about service in the military, he's like, all I did was protect heroin and poppy and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, Damn, he's like, I didn't do nothing for the America. <laughs> he's like, oh, this old white guy. And he, he did Desert Storm and all that shit. I think there's also, like, a cultural difference, too. Like, here, we come, in North America, like, most people don't realize how privileged they are. And it's not about money. It's about, like, safety and security for a lot yeah. of people. There's generally that. There's, like, a normal police system. There's yeah. a normal, like, hospital system in like countries like Bangladesh like you grow up seeing people die and like suffering yeah. like right in front of you and like you know, crazy stuff yeah. so I think when they go into the military there's also a little more of like realism what the world is like yeah. you know um, and so I think it's a it might be and I, I don't know, it's just like a thought on my, in my head right now but yeah. there might be like a cultural component too yeah my cousin was in Iraq and when he came back he said it was like Detroit that was early 2000s. And he finally ran. He was like, was like Detroit. Oh, shit. But Detroit was a totally different story. Yeah. 15 years ago. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, literally. That's why I want to do podcasts just about the 90s alone. Because the 90s here in Detroit seemed like a wild time. We were just talking, we casually talk about how people used to just steal cars and all that stuff. But like wow, just like casually, <laughs> like like it was just a normal. There's you know, a thing. lot of people buying a lot of things. Like yeah, is uh what do you call it though, man? It's uh, supply and demand, and 
if the demand is to survive, then the supply is the by any means necessary. Wow. Yeah. Shit. You know, that yeah. was the spaces. Wasn't it great. Don't get me wrong. That's a dope statement. The de- <laughs> the demand is to survive. Yeah. Wow. That's it's crazy. Shit. That's part of the reason why I started this podcast because I realized like there's a half my family uh, is like worked for the law, and another half my family is just you know yeah part of Detroit, and uh, like I real like I, like part of the way they raised me at first was like well like just don't be a thug, don't be a crook, don't rob people, whatever, and then like the other and then growing up on the other side, I realized like. It's the situation that you're in, like, you know what I mean? You do things because you have to and all that stuff. And it's like, wow, it's so ignorant, too. You know, because the guy grew up in this area, but I didn't have it as bad as yeah, a lot yeah. of people I grew up around, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, but anyways, this is about you. And uh, I want to start with, what does it take to become a doctor? So you just started, right? And you say you're 31? Oh, yeah, 31. Yeah. And um, so... I'll give some background information, you know, what it takes to be a doctor. I think it's um, people, there's a lot of assumptions what a doctor is nowadays and like, you know, what it's meant to be a doctor, your lifestyle, how much money you got, you know, how rewarding it is. There's a lot of these, you know, these concepts that people just assume, assumptions, I guess you can say. I mean, being the doctor, becoming a doctor is one of the hardest things I've ever done, you know. <laughs> yeah. If to Canada, it seems easy, easier, you know. But, you know, you're, you're trying to do something you went into with pure intentions, you know, yeah. a naivety when you start, right? You want to help people. At least what I help most people go into it for. Obviously, there's a few people that have other reasons. But, you know, that's what I'd say majority of the physicians um, go into it for. But then you get lost a little bit in learning that you're really part of giant corporations and you're really part of a system and the system's in place by non-medical people you know for the most part people that lawyers businessmen whatever and that's a real yeah capitalist and that's the reality of america it'd be stupid to say like i'm not going to be part of this system do my own thing but you're not going to help the people that are that need it that still rely on it the patients and stuff like that so you have to learn to be yourself and to take advantage of the system for yourself and find a middle yeah. ground of how you can balance that out. Um, but to become a doctor, I mean, in Canada, it was really difficult. You have to have like a perfect resume and I wasn't like, I didn't have the best schooling, you know, yeah. and when I went to university, I felt like I struggled a lot, but I was like, I mean, comparatively, I was like doing pretty good. Like if yeah. I was in any other course, but I had to be picture perfect in Canada to really yeah, okay. become a physician. So I applied three times didn't get a single interview then I was like okay maybe I'll move to Ireland maybe I'll move to um, uh, maybe I'll move to the Caribbean for school maybe I'll move to Australia I, I just want to be a physician you know yeah. I wanted that that's where I thought my my all my skills and everything I was was going to be utilized the best in the world um, and so I applied to the United States I got in and I started here and then okay like I had gotten to a, a university in Phoenix okay and they were like, congratulations. I like called my parents, my dad, my mom was like crying. She's like, I didn't think you could do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like straight up, I'm like, thanks mom, I guess. Yeah. Like, I love you. Um, and uh, a month later, they were like, sent me my tuition. You know, I paid the deposit, I'm gonna be enrolled. Yeah. Sent my tuition, told me I had to pay like 275 up upfront, $275,000 upfront. Oh, wow. Because I was from Canada. And I was like, no bank is gonna, like, I'm like, I can maybe give it an increments. They're like, yeah. no, we need this your tuition up front. 
Damn. So I was like, what do you mean? And like, my bank was like, what do you mean? (laughs) You know? So I was like, okay. So that same day, I got an interview somewhere else. And so I was like, I had to say no to that school. Like, they wouldn't accommodate me. Yeah, yeah. And then I had to, me and my dad, I got to another school, a couple of schools, and then my dad and I were going to banks. And we got turned down by like three. And then finally, a bank was like, you know, yeah, we'll support you. We'll, yeah. we'll give you the loan to, to go to medical school. Damn. But my tuition wasn't even covered to finish medical school, Damn. realistically. So yeah. me and my dad had to, like, figure out a way, all right, how. He was like, I'm going to sell the house. I'm going to do this. I want you to achieve your dream. I'm, I'm grateful. I am blessed to have people like that. But He did that? He did sell that? No. And so my dad got really sick when I was in medical school. And it was just, like, one of those situations where, like, I got to figure out. I was thinking about withdrawing I was mm-hmm. midway through school I was doing well like I was thriving um, it was hard but I was doing well but my dad got sick I, I thought about like maybe withdrawing saving up some money working mm-hmm. like somewhere or doing something else with my master's degree and then I had like an angel investor basically like mm-hmm. a friend of mine's family a really close friend of mine family knew kind of my situation and they signed an American loan because mm-hmm. I can't sign a loan by myself as a Canadian even now? Um, even now. Um, and so, yeah, and they, they're they the reason why I completed medical school. And, yeah. all, like, throughout that process, it was like, yeah, I was, like, broke as fuck, you know. Yeah. But that was, like, just to even do that, you know. And I was thinking about how lucky I was yeah. that I could start this and I had people that believed in me. But imagine, like, if I didn't have that yeah, connection yeah. or stuff, like, and I invested so much, it's like, you have, what I realized is you have to have a little bit of privilege, like, in some ways to yeah. achieve your dreams, and I didn't realize how privileged <clears throat> I was, you know, it didn't, at, that's in hindsight, at the time, I was like, yeah, yeah. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, life's all about who you and, know. Yeah, and that's just, like, the start, you know, I guess, of, like, just finishing it. Med school itself is, like, a process. You go through two years of pure academics, like, you're just grinding, writing exams every week, so you're... That's studying. before or after what you just talked This about. is, like, during the time yeah, I'm doing. Yeah. So once I'm in now and I'm paying tuition, I'm dealing with all this stuff also. Yeah. You know, trying to pay rent, trying to, you know, pay my tuition and yeah. study, you know, nonstop. So you do two years of, like, pretty much just, like, baseline studying, like, yeah. nonstop. Then they transition you into the hospital for two years. And it's almost like you're interviewing for two years. You're doing, like, clerkships. So every month you're transitioning consistently. Sometimes you have to travel to a different state. Sometimes it's basically every month you're on a, I'm doing like obstetrics and gynecology. The month after I'm doing cardiology. The month after yeah, I'm doing pulmonology. Then I'm doing family practice. Then I'm doing pediatrics. Every month is different. Yeah. And for some people, depends how their school's structured, but some have to travel to a new state every time. Yeah. So you have to think about like where you're going to stay, um, how are you going to get there. So it's a grind. Like it yeah. really is like you know you're in this almost like you're talking about the military like you're yeah you know you're moving you don't have a choice you just have to go with the flow um and then everyone you're working for is like do you want to be here is this what you want to do and you're like proving yourself each time Uh, and you figure out through those experiences what you want to do and then you yeah exactly and then you pick your specialty after that so I chose family practice. I thought about emergency medicine because I don't know why I'm naturally like I'm calm under pressure and I, oh, yeah. I work better under pressure. 
and in stressful situations. I thought about pediatrics. I love working with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved old people too. You know? <laughs> Everyone in between that, that yeah. age is like hard to deal with, like yeah. older young people. But old people. They say and you're kids. a child twice. Once when you're yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You learn. I learn so much from like my patients that are like older. Even even kids too. You learn a lot. Yeah. Especially the ones that have big medical issues. They're like one of the strongest people you meet. Kids. Yeah. They're like, all right, I got cancer. Anyway, I'm going to go play with my, yeah. like, Pokemon cards. You're like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> His like, life hasn't like, hit like, He just did chemo, and, like, he's yeah. just chilling. Like, also, he's, like, asking me if I want to play, like, Tekken with him. I'm like, what? Yeah. That's, That's crazy. Like, yeah. You do international stuff, you said, right? Yeah, so um, the reason why I want to medicine a little bit of background, I mean, it's good we talked about it, so... The work that, like, my dad did had a real impact on me. Yeah. So I chose medicine, like, it was really to help poor people. That was, like, my calling. Yeah. Like, work with people that don't have a system, that need help, you know, uh, that, you know. Abandoned by the system. Abandoned by the system. <laughs> yeah. The government, the system. So I went into medical school, but I had all these obstacles, like, finances. Like, I couldn't go afford one of these trips. Like, the students would have to pay for them themselves yeah. a lot of the time. And, but I had, I always like was looking for stuff. And then I met a mentor that I don't know what it was. Just took a liking to me. Mm. I didn't even know who he was at the time, but his daughter ended up working for an organization in Bangladesh that I knew of. Um, And we started talking. He's like, what do you want to do? Like, why are you in medicine? He was an emergency medicine physician. Um, And I told him like, I really want to do international work. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll take you. He's like, I do international work. I was like, okay, like, let's go. I was like, but I don't, I can't afford, like, a lot of stuff. He's like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then he made me Dr. apply. money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, straight up. But, like, I was this random kid, like, from Canada, and he just, like, had faith in me. And he took me to Haiti. And that was my first trip with him. I worked a little bit in Bangladesh, like, yeah. at some hospitals just to get some experience. But he took me to Haiti, and it was, like, me and him seeing, like, 300 people. And I'm yeah. like this, you know, it's like a sensei and like, you know, the the protege, you yeah. know, the squire, you can yeah. say. And I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. But I learned so much from those people. And like, I've been in Haiti for 10 years now, working there Dang. every year. When do you go? It's like a seasonal thing or what? Yeah, I go, I used to go twice a year before COVID. Uh-huh. Like usually like in the winter month and then in the spring month. Yeah. Um, and then I've helped establish like um, a medical clinic there. Um, through a nonprofit called Soaring Unlimited, and now I'm actually one of the directors for that oh, nonprofit. Nice. So, we're opening up a birthing center now there, and um, a we have center, yeah, like for yeah, child, for, so childbirth and uh, maternal health because yeah. Haiti in the Western Hemisphere has the highest infant and maternal mortality rates. Yeah. Like you get pregnant, it's like the culture there is like, uh, like congratulations, but. Mm, Hopefully you make it. Yeah. It's like it's like that. Like there's yeah, it's no, sure you know, it's no like you know. Let's have like a celebration. Like unless you're privileged, it's just like, well, you're pregnant now. Let's hope you make it. Yeah, wow. Eighty percent population's unemployed. Yeah. You know, it's it's a different world. There, yeah, you know what I mean. But how beautiful. much is how much is the like? How understood is it of, uh, like. European influence because like because of the reason why Haiti's like that dude and like have you been on the Dominican Republic side oh yeah yeah okay. yeah the, dude that's a good question Nighten, yeah. I'm still learning about this history yeah. this is like the craziest history like 
ever like you know what Haiti was and like how it's become the Dominican Republic and Haiti and I'm not an expert on it by any means yeah. but been enough and I've heard enough of the like the history of it that it's, it's insane like you know it was originally a French colony and then there was a Spanish colony too there's all this feuding and they had all the slaves that they brought to Haiti um, and the then, Haitian side yeah and the Dominican was actually the country that was looked down upon yeah. initially and Haiti was like the up and coming like we're the shit yeah. and so long story short when that those ties changed you know and Dominican was doing well and yeah. Haiti had all these like government issues like you know structural issues going on they were kind of left out to dry and then obviously all the natural disasters yeah. the revolutions everything has just gone south um, they but, they overthrew the French government yeah. out of there. French France was so the France and the Europeans are so pissed that, and they wanted to set an example of. To any other of the island spaces and any of the other ports to like not fucking do that. Yeah. So they set an example and then they tax them like which is like, I don't know the number but it's a it's an exorbitant amount of money that Haiti was never, as a. Uh, um, like, as a as a nation, financially was never able to recover because, yeah, they got their hands in it and stuff like and that. It's such a mess. Like the structure is so poor. Like they call it the land of uh, people without a government or undocumented people. Wow. There's Haitians that live in the Dominican for generations, like their fifth, sixth generation. You still can't get documents that you're a Dominican. Like and then you, you'll the, always be a technically a Haitian. Uh, and the way that the Spaniards were, uh, uh, I say this lightly, the Spaniards were a little more respectable, respectful of the land, <laughs> like, so they didn't, uh, like, their the growing practices were a little bit more um, uh, about preservation, as opposed to, like, the French yeah. who were super aggressive with, like, the sugarcane yeah. fields and stuff like that. So basically everything that Haiti has is was stripped. Like yeah. they don't have any resources. They got t they got their land, the literal land, like completely torched by uh, the aggressive growing practices from Europeans who don't understand like native how to grow on a, somebody's native land. They yeah. were like, "Here's a resource. We're gonna strip it completely cold." Then they get an uprising and they lose, and so then they punish the Haitians and charge them. And they were paying up until like the '60s or something like that, or still paying or something like that. Where finally people were like, "All right, you can't." charge them for that and then the whole racism that's still rampant over there the like anti-blackness amongst like haitians and dominicans dude it's yeah crazy. i've heard about that yeah. a little bit and like, like dogs the, and stuff like i am i only know like i know north american history of slavery yeah. you know from being yeah. here there's the whole history of slavery there a whole different I think like, a lot of Americans know, don't consider the slavery that still goes on around the world. I think they just dude, think it's all over with and, because it's over with here, but yeah, it's the, still you know, crazy. It's not over with here. And <laughs> yeah, like, that part too. There's a psychological aspect of it, you know, yeah. like that like that goes through generation to generation that people have to break those psychological like impacts or the things that happen to their families. In Haiti, I feel like it's still there, like a lot of psychological impacts of slavery. Yeah. Like it's it's unfortunate, you know. But the country itself is like beautiful, which is like so sad, you know. Yeah. Like all these, these people have been like screwed over. Like 
one of the best compliments I've ever gotten was like working in the village and they call me the Haitian because I'm not obviously yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. call me the I'm like that's like such a nice compliment because <laughs> they're like you understand us you're from like Bangladesh like yeah, you yeah, I'm like I, I mean it's not the same but I, I feel you you know yeah. what I mean but you know it's a it's a tough country like I'm not gonna lie like I worked there for 10 years before every trip I have to like mentally prepare myself it's yeah. it's because it's tough like it's people are tough people are sick you know I have to my expectations of myself are very high yeah. and so when I go there if I don't feel like I'm doing like a really good job at like it, I can't sleep at night you, you know bring what I mean? that home like yeah, yeah that's bring, a, and that's a form of like PTSD bro like yeah, the more sure, like yeah. I've learned it's just like when you feel like you haven't done enough and you come home with that. Yeah. Who, who, how do you share that? How do you decompress that when everyone, oh, you did, you know, you did what you did. It's like, but you didn't see what I seen yeah. and understand that, like, yeah, it's, it won't let you rest. I think it's uh, like everyone in the medical profession that, that works, especially on the front line, there's a little bit of trauma that you just have to accept mm -hmm. that's going to come, like, when you see the things that you've seen and you've seen things go south and sometimes the mistakes you've made yeah. that people will hate to want to ask like do doctors make mistakes of course yeah. of course doctors make mistakes we have to live with the, that shit yeah. but it's like you have to work in a system that is like made to make money made to make you faster made you make you efficient yeah. also made to make you want to like you have to spend time with something having human interaction yeah. some people for anybody i think that's a very hard thing to balance and like decompression and like I have good homies and stuff like that I can talk to about like stuff I've seen and stuff like that but like for me personally the biggest thing is like meditating and yeah. like finding my grounding in like the universe I know that's a very existential thing but like yeah. I cannot nitpick you know like my emotions too much I have to look at the bigger purpose of it yeah. because it's like I, in my head I'm like oh, I could have done this I could have done that I wish I had this, I wish I had that. But did I give everything I had in that moment? Did I, you know, was my energy right? Was it authentic? Was it genuine? Yeah. Um, that's all I can really ask myself. So I forget that a lot, and then I have to remind myself that. Yeah. Especially, like, during COVID, that was, like, the craziest thing I've ever been through. Like, yeah. you know? It was, that's, yeah, it's it not even over for you. Yeah. yeah. I do want to talk about COVID, but one thing I was just say is... Um, I have noticed how, like, when you're going through something like that constantly, you learn to, like, uh, I guess, get used to it in a way. Mm. And I remember kind of when the beginning of this COVID started, I was, I dated two different nurses. <laughs> I'm going to wrap myself out right now. <laughs> These nurses are like, this motherfucker. Yeah, but they were so cold-hearted, bro. Like, because, like, everything they go through, it's like, they just make it normal, you know. And yeah. I remember uh, when we first, we, my job shut down for a few weeks, and obviously she was busy. But she was like, "Oh, like she said something like, oh, thank God, like I only have to deal with this suicide page today.' So luckily, I'll get out of here soon." And like the way she said it, it was just it's like, like it's know. like, oh, this is just a normal yeah. Wednesday, you know. And so like I get out early today, and I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" <Yeah. laughs> this little girl stuff about like this guy's stomach and exploding or something like that, and. But yeah. she was just so like not shook by like I remember I just remember she was just happy that she got off earlier or, like something like that because of this happened. She's like, well, yeah. it's not my problem anymore. Like you know. Yeah. And I was like, damn, isn't that kind of gross? Isn't that kind of fucked up? Yeah. Isn't that, like, aren't you traumatized? And it's they were just like, oh, it's you know, crazy. You see like, so much of it, you don't blink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't blink. And and the realistic truth is like, um, 
in our training, for example, all the courses we take like that, very small percentage of that we're we're taught human emotional intelligence. Yeah. That's just something just you gotta figure out on yeah. the way, you know what I mean? And so they don't tell us how to deal, they don't tell us how to do that. Like I'm lucky that like I do a lot of like self care and yeah. I've like, you know, I'm a spiritual person, I feel like that's my grounding. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that, you know, that have that background. So some people like that's the only way they know how to deal with it. It's yeah. like to make light of it or to shut it off completely, yeah, yeah. like the emotional side. And it, in some ways I don't blame them, you know, I have empathy for those people because, you know, I'm the way I am because of my upbringing, my experiences. Some people have just had shit experiences and yeah. they're, they're still trying to do a good thing, but this is how they deal with stuff emotionally. Not saying they couldn't be better, but yeah. they only have so many tools in their pocket, you know? Yeah, I couldn't imagine being privileged and sheltered my whole life and then getting thrown into that. You know, so, yeah, because there's probably are some kids who had it yeah. all growing up, and now that I, see I have so many shit. friends that are like, mom and dad were doctors, dentists, whatever, and they're yeah. like, oh, you should be this, like you can afford it, like why would you give yeah. this? And then they get here, and they're like, wow, I'm not emotionally made to be like this, or they keep yeah. faking that they are, and then they're really depressed. Yeah. Like there's Drinking a huge a bottle of wine after. Yeah. Uh, like medicine has one of the highest burnout rates in any career. And like, it's and Nas has a song all about that like I'm man it's like he's talking about like the doctor is going through like a divorce and all this weird kinks because he was like messed up as a kid and shit and he's dealing he's like throwing all this stuff out about this doctor and then meanwhile he's sitting there operating on your your wife or your husband whatever it was in the song and it's like they have to hold steady through all of that like anybody else but it's like literally like they have to maintain through like surgery you know what yeah, I mean yeah life or death situations yeah. yeah like it's not like oh you know I gotta make sure I keep a head focus so that way I submit a grant and shit yeah. it's like somebody's fucking body's open yeah like, and, and uh, it's crazy and the level I think empathy for health like I am a huge promoter of like yes there's issues with the medical system there's issues with like you know nurses that could be better doctors gotta be sure but like, it's it's very tough. Like during COVID, just at my urgent care, I'm seeing 300, 350 people a day. That's insane. Okay, and I'm working a 12-hour shift four days in a row. Damn. You know, I go to a room. This kid's like huffing and puffing in front of me. I'm deciding if I can manage him here. So I'm to the ER, yeah. managing him. The mom is like doesn't want him to get COVID tested. <laughs> His dad doesn't believe in it. Some bullshit like that. You know, like, and I'm like just trying to take care of this kid, manage him, make him stable. I go to the next room. It's like, I've been waiting here for 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Like, where the hell were you? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. and to me, I don't, like, react. You can't because yeah. it makes me take away time from the person after that person yeah, and the person yeah. after. So I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know, what can I do for you today, sweetie? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just moving. I'm just moving, you know, and grooving. Yeah. I don't even have time to, like... But at the end of the day, it's still like, I think about it, I'm like, wow, that lady really treated me like shit. Like, yeah. I'm not so, gonna lie, I've gone to urgent care and waited forever and been like, dude, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. You, know? <laughs> uh, nah, you make me understand that. Maybe I'll be nice to the next guy. It's, like, it's crazy. Like, I had a lady, guy came in for a COVID test, you know? People are assuming, like, oh, COVID test should be like this. I shouldn't have to see anyone. But there's a safety protocol. There's a reason why we have them. This yeah. guy came in. You know, he in a jumpsuit, he's just chilling on his phone, like, not looking at him. He's like, why are you getting tested? He's like, ah, I'm, I'm short of breath. 
I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> That's why I can't be a doctor. He's just still staring at his phone. I'm like, yeah, and he's like, yeah, I'm sweating a lot. And he's just talking to me, and he's on his phone. I was like, you know, tell me a little bit more. And I'm like, he sounded sick. Like, something wasn't right, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, let's get an EKG on you. Like, make sure everything's straight, you know? So I get him set up. Uh, my MA is getting the EKG. I go see... Um, somebody else in a different room or whatever. I all I hear screaming, and then like I run out. They're like, "Doctor, doctor!" I go in. This guy's in cardiac arrest. I have no what supplies with me. I start doing CPR on him. Okay, yeah. so I resuscitate this guy with like minimal resuscitation supplies. That's a heart attack, right? Yeah, your yeah. heart's basically stopped beating. There's no oxygen to the brain. Yeah. yeah. And so with yeah, you know, those dumb people. There's that. like a very small percentage of people that have CPR that actually survive. It's not like the movies. Like everyone you do CPR oh, yeah, comes yeah. back to life. You know, so it's yeah. and people that come back sometimes they're not fully you know there because oxygen went so Stop low to brain. Yeah, yeah you know and brain is needs that has one of the highest metabolisms in the body so i'm just fucking sweating my ass off trying to get this guy alive you know his family members are like freaking out tell him to shut the door i resuscitated him before the ambulance arrives okay i'm covered in sweat yeah. blah 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 the ambulance is outside i like just go wash my face you know and i have all the I'm, i realize i'm so backed up because that took like 30 minutes to do yeah. and the next lady was like I have to go to the party you need to tell somebody to move that ambulance I was like this close to snapping <laughs> I didn't but like I was like god damn it like you yeah. know like I'm like some days you're just pushed so much yeah, you know what yeah. I mean I'm like this is crazy yeah I try to talk about mental health a lot and you, you said you meditate spiritually mm-hmm. so I guess what well one mentally what did you do to get through medical school because that seems like mm-hmm. ten years of craziness yeah and then what kind of you talked a little bit by but yeah I just want to reassure or reiterate the mental health aspect and what it takes to be a doctor and a student mm-hmm. so you know what's that like. There's a quote, and I'm going to say this completely wrong, but, like, you know, the... <laughs> <laughs> he sounded so wise. <laughs> but I'm going to screw this up completely. Um, no, but, like, discipline is your best friend. Discipline is the best thing you can do for yourself. Yeah. Like, and I am not, like, naturally a disciplined person. Yeah. I 100%. I was a kid, like, bouncing up and down walls, like... Yeah. But really, like, focusing on, like, what do I need to do? How do I discipline myself? And, like, that discipline is also, like, self-care. Like, people yeah. are, like, a relaxing day, like, on the beach. Or, like, like no, like, you got to keep your mind right. Like, what does your mind re- need yeah. right now? You know, sometimes it needs you to be a vegetable and watch, like, three seasons on Netflix yeah. sometimes. But, like, discipline is everything. I remember, like, I do lectures all day, come home, study for three hours, then I'd work out for an hour. That one hour workout sucked, you know? And then for me personally, like, breaking was, like, my outlet, you know? Like, I used to do a lot of art. I used to do a lot of other stuff that was, like, how I expressed myself, but my time got shorter and shorter and shorter. And I had to narrow, narrow down in terms of, like, okay, what do I really want to invest my time? What really takes the best parts of me and brings it back up? And breaking always, like, grounded me. And so that was the thing, like, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, like, I'd be breaking, like, I'd be do short workouts in between, but, like, it was, like, that discipline, that expression for me was everything, you know? And me and my crewmates talk about it, like, we, session Tuesdays for sure, it's our crew session day, Tuesday nights. If I miss that, like, I'm in a shit mood all week, like, I know I'm off, you know what I mean? It's like, if 
but I realize how that important it is to me. Like if something comes up Tuesday night, I almost always say no to people. Yeah. Even to tell my job like Tuesday nights it cannot. Doesn't matter. I like, but I'm dis. I'm very regimented with that. Like yeah. the days I need to practice, the days I need to train, and for me too. Like I need. I'm a social person. Like I'm like I need to m- make sure that I see my friends and yeah. like stuff like that. It's a really unique space too, man. Because it's like you people go to the gym. It's not really a social thing. Everybody no. got their headphones on, and you might run into your buddy or something like that. But everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Like. Anywhere else, it's usually there's not that like social like you know I, I would say like the only thing is like picking up like uh, pickup games type yeah, stuff yeah, at like yeah. rec centers, but you know it's like you you get a like community of people that hang out and bug out and do stuff, but like the uniqueness to breaking of being like physical exer- exertion and like um, uh, camaraderie and like you know social yeah. interaction and everything that goes in. I mean you know I remember something probably same thing out at state. I feel like it's everywhere, but just like how many of those kids who were like in those programs or in those clubs that didn't socialize with anyone anywhere else. Mm-hmm. They were kind of like oddball type. And they'd gravitate, yeah. whatever reason, they gravitate towards a breaking club yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And this is a space that, you know, homie, you know, the one that lived near you, I don't want to yeah. drop names. <laughs> you know, like, that's a perfect example, man. <laughs> like, and now look at him. He's a fucking social butterfly yeah, and shit. You know real. what I mean? Like, he's successful in his own right, and he's coming to all these other experiences and shit. But it's just, like, uh, um, it's just kind of wild to, like, that, that. Think about that, though. Like, how mentally, like, you know, the support. And just, like, you know, crew is different, I would say, from, like, having the crew around is different from, like, uh, just having like the practice space. Yeah, you know? yeah. Crew is everything, man. Like I never <clears throat> thought I'd be part of a crew, and it kind of just naturally happened. But it was a space like not just social, but you can be critical of each other in a mm-hmm. positive space. Mm-hmm. You know, like and that's something I think we all need. We're so scared to be critical of each other, yeah. but it's like there's love there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like in the dancing community, there's a lot of people that criticize each other. Yeah. But the love isn't there when they do it, and that's yeah. like kind of shitty, you and know. It, a lot of people that get like that misconstrued of like, uh, yo, like you need to work on this, and then they're like, and the 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 receiver doesn't want to hear it, you know. Yeah. The flip of that is like the receiver is just like, like, oh, I hate. And it's like no, bro. Like I want to be dope with you. Like I need yeah. people to be dope around me. I constantly get that because I'm pushing everybody. Yeah, yeah, you know, you guys are one of the few group that's just like, oh, bet. Yeah. All right, you know what yeah. I mean. I mean, I know in the beginning, me and Medi always had butted heads about that, but I learned how to talk a little better. Yeah, so. me, <laughs> nah, you fucking idiot. Like, yeah, and like, <laughs> now he's like one of my favorite people to train with. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, and being receptive is a huge thing too. To understand where someone's coming from and not to like react. Yeah. I think in the breaking community, that's huge. So you can learn so much from different people. You oh, know, yeah. same in medicine. Like I've had mentors that like. I watch other students and they're like completely like not receptive. Yeah. I'm like, damn, this guy spitting some knowledge here, and you yeah. over here just been like, whatever. Like, you know. no, yeah, constructive criticism is so key because even if it's like in construction, I've worked with so many race people and in football. You know, I worked with so many race people, but when you're when your life's on the line, when you're doing like dangerous jobs and stuff like that, you're like, all right, this guy has his best interest. He's just mm-hmm. he just votes the wrong way and he's just an idiot sometimes. <laughs> he's fucking ignorant. Yeah. You know? But it's like, you know, it's like, whatever, you know, they call you little names in there that you're like, you know, I don't want you calling me that, a little shit like that. But at the same time, now I know how to build a house thanks to this fucker. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, now you do all this thanks to this guy. It's like, but I had to push that pride aside. I had to like, you know what I mean? And, and be understanding of where he comes from. And That's a you know. huge, 
huge thing I think most of most people can't do. Yeah. I yeah. think. Like one of my the best advice my dad ever gave me was like every relationship has its limits. Yeah. And the quicker you recognize that, the smoother you're gonna be able to move through yeah. in life. And yeah. I was like, that's so true. Like this guy his views are like trash or like yeah. shitty in this way. But there's like he's human, you know, you have to admit that much. There's yeah. probably good sides to him too. You just can't have expectations from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? From the other stuff that you don't agree with. Yeah. But it's a t- it's hard to navigate that. It's like there's so much emotional emotionality in society now. You know, it's different. It's different. People are a lot more emotional. People are a lot more, you know. I mean, it's like segregated. Yeah. I think, which is which is hard. You know, it's like I don't think any time in the world people were like a full unity. You know what I mean? No, forget no, no, no way. <laughs> no Maybe in like way. Sweden or something. Yeah, you know? even then they probably were like, mm. Mm. they probably still didn't like. Yeah. It's just a little more. Look, we've got um, healthcare, but also we're overtly racist. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like okay, even like, it works for certain people, but not everybody. Yeah, the natural characteristics of being a man is just so like, like yeah, like you know, it's like yeah, you gotta flex so. over the next guy. It's like it's annoying. You know, it's like that's yeah. something that America's trying to overcome each other they could tell. Yeah. but I was wondering um, so were you a doctor before COVID yes I worked COVID when it started I actually had just flown in from the Dominican from working there mm-hmm. and I yeah, landed right. um, and then like the airport was like shutting like going through all these like yeah. crazy protocols and I was scared I wouldn't be able to get in because I was Canadian I remember and then I pulled up at the hospital my whole hospital was like going insane like yeah. you know like people so many people surging in and like super sick where were you at this time like, i was at well, so, where's this hospital at? so i worked at uh, providence hospital in southfield and in novi okay. and it was crazy and then i got elected as um chief that like in a month or two after that so Damn. so i was like running helping run the resident program with two other chiefs um, but it was it was insane, you know, yeah. because there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of fear. We didn't have PPE. I remember it was just like this crazy thing, and it was like I'm this leader in this situation, and I don't even know what's going on, but I still got to keep it together, you yeah. know. The beginning was really scary. When, when really you really scary, didn't know man. shit, <laughs> nobody knew shit. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Bro, uh, you know, people had to eat, but I like had to, you know, Leroy was staying with me, and he was still doing Uber, and I was like, bro, like I don't want you coming back, like yeah. to the crib, until. Yeah. Like, if you're going to work Uber, like, I'm cool with you not paying rent. Like, I know you got other things you got to do, but, like, my kid here, bro, like, I don't want you coming. You know, and this was, like, March, you know, like, when when it was, like, when you went out, like, where it was, like, when they uh, they announced, like, if you were outside, you were getting arrested and stuff like that. It was crazy as shit. I was like, well. I got a piece of paper from work saying that if I got pulled over, show them that you're essential and that you... I was doing CNC, so we had a lot of government contracts for the yeah, military. Yeah. And actually, we stopped what we were doing to start making respirators. So, like, wow. like you know, like we were doing all that. And uh, they gave us paperwork with a stamp on it and everything, federal stamp, and saying, like, you know, you're you're okay if you get pulled over and shit like that. Yeah. Like, it, that shit was insane. Like, Dude, it's so scary. I remember I, they were, like, I was looking, looking at the people I was with. I was, like, a lot of them my family and stuff. I'm, like, single. I live by myself. Um... I was like, and they were asking for volunteers for COVID. It eventually turned into like, we don't care. <laughs> we don't care about your families. Just yeah. so I volunteered for with the infectious disease team because um, they were like probably 
them and the pulmonologists were like the most heavily hit medical groups. What's a hospital. pulmonologist? A lung yeah. doctor, lung specialist. Okay. Um, and How do you say that? Uh, pulmonologist. Pulmonologist. Yeah. So if anyone then, says that, yeah, and then pulmonologist. Pulmonologist for yeah. the lungs. For the lungs, straight up. And they're, <laughs> they were <laughs> like them, the ER doctors. Like I mean, everybody had a role. Like I shouldn't say just them, but when we first started infectious disease, like it's a virus, right? So they were consulted on these patients and I volunteered to work for them. Mm-hmm. So this doctor, he's the man, by the way, uh, Dr. Parsons, shout out to Dr. Parsons. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't mind me saying his name. Um, but he texted me at 11 p.m. He's like, hey, um, you're with me tomorrow. Um, start, just realize that you're gonna be starting with rollerblades on your feet. We got 58 patients on our list between two people. Um, like me and him. Yeah. Um, and what he, would you normally cover if it was two people? What would you? Two norm- people? Yeah. Like not, not like, that many. Like, like eight? Or because like because yeah, like, like, fifty eight doesn't like I don't know maybe fifty eight. Yeah, yeah it's hospitalized so, people like yeah. six sick people between two people. So like on a on a not like COVID day. And, so to give you an example, yeah. like you have a team. So mm-hmm. I'd have a team of normally I have a team of like let's say the senior resident me another senior resident. And then I'll have three interns, so like five people on my team. We'd cover like eighteen, eighteen to twenty patients. You Between know? four that, of and you, that, that's busy. Like five people, yeah. But five people that's splitting like twenty, a, yeah. And so well, now you're jumping in with two people splitting fifty-eight. Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know. <laughs> that, that's what I was trying to get to is like understanding the dire, un- understanding the yeah. direness of like two people doing 58 and there's a system people. right you have like your people the junior doctors the senior doctors and but it's just us two you know yeah. so it's like kind of like okay and then there were supposed to be some other volunteers that didn't show up um mm. so just me and him and then he's like by the way there's six doctors on our list like of our own mm-hmm. um and like three oh, of shit. them are on the vents and oh they like are sick yeah and i was like it's so stressful, like you know. Yeah, you see the doctors, that they get back Yeah, I remember like sitting in my car, just being like, "What the hell am I doing?" You know, like, is this yeah. real? And then at that, <laughs> it was like a god moment. Like that guy I work in Haiti with the started taking me, called yeah. me in the morning randomly, like out of nowhere. Yeah, and he's like. Hey, Arpon, that's how you talk. He's an old white dude. Yeah. Hey, Arpon, he's like, "Where are you right now?" I was like, "I'm waiting to go I'm going to the hospital." He's like, "I was like, I'm doing COVID." He's like, "He's like, you know what?" This is bullshit. I know. <laughs> that's how he talks. He's like, but he's like, when you're when you're like my age, he's like, you can look back and you can say you gave like humanity everything you had. Yeah. And I remember I was like, damn. Yeah. Let's go. But that's what I needed. Look to the camera. I'm totally getting pussy. It was like the opposite isolation for like. Yeah. Yeah, my ass was like, fuck it. Yeah. No, yeah, I was. The. Uh, yeah, I was. I was wondering though, man. Like, yeah, I was just like curious, like, cause it's like you hear those numbers, you hear these things. I don't people under they never like, co- uh, like compare it to what your normal, even a bad day might be, mm-hmm. compared to what the hell you had to deal with during that. And then not to mention. That is like almost like I was there. Would there be like conflict of interest because you would obviously you're like, yo, not just that's my homie in there, but like that's uh, that's somebody that could get better that could help us. So we're losing staff. Like, is, did that become a priority or like a conflict of I interest think type thing? All the patients took priority realistically, 
but obviously there's like these are colleagues you work side by side yeah. there's no way you don't feel some type yeah. of way you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like you're you going home robot. you're like checking the chart you're checking their oxygen all night yeah. like checking at 4am yeah. like there's a little yeah. bit obviously of like that and yeah like and the craziest thing was a bunch of them were like infectious disease doctors so yeah. I wasn't I'm not an infectious disease doctor I'm just helping out <laughs> so that you team you really need their help you know but like they're so it's kind of crazy but I don't think like we didn't give care to anyone that needed it yeah. but it was a time where like it was almost like military triage who's really sick who's the one we have to watch that uh, might crash okay. overnight yeah. so we prioritize those patients you know and then the other ones are important but like they're we know tomorrow they're not going to crash yeah, so yeah. we have that 24-hour timeline to work on these guys and then come back to them yeah. but that's what you have to do in any setting even like when i work in haiti and stuff like that the goal is not to like the goal is to help everybody you know but like realistically is the goal to find the sick people like the really yeah. sick people that don't know they're sick or like are about to collapse or might not make it the next day or yeah. in the, within the next <clears throat> week that's what you're looking out for because when you're seeing that many people things get monotonous you know yeah. but you have to have that like edge where like am i missing something is this person sick or not sick yeah. that's the biggest thing with experience and like being a good doctor is like recognizing that yeah and that will like always i feel like guide you like sick yeah, versus yeah. not sick it sounds simple but it's complicated you yeah. know what i mean because everyone like i have people coming in with like a cough for two days i'm like just stay at home like yeah. you know i mean like take flu like get a covid test sure but yeah, like yeah. Wh what am i gonna do for a cough like i get like i have a cough yeah, right yeah. now like yeah, that's, I never went to the doctor's or anything, though. Both times I was sick. But I people come in, and I was like, I, but that person thinks they're like, that's the most important job. thing ever. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you're not that sick. <laughs> yeah, you know, that like, everybody? That, yeah. Isn't that everybody? Is that yeah. a lot? Like, oh, all the yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't say that. I'm like, <laughs> and then you get the guy, like, bleeding out. That's like, oh, I'll be okay. You're like, no, no. bro. Literally, yeah, old yeah. people are the sweetest. Like, ladies having a stroke. It's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm like, yeah, how do you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you drooped yeah. over. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. That was a grandpa. He had a heart attack. And he went. He scheduled an appointment. Got in the next day. And then, uh... The heart doctor's like, Rudy, you're having a heart attack right now, and this is your second one. He's like, oh, shit. And he's like, all right, well, I'll drive to the hospital. He goes, no, we're going to get you there in emergency. And he's like, no, I got my car outside. I'm going to drive to the hospital. And he just got there while mid-heart attack. Drove his ass to the hospital. <laughs> crazy. But, <laughs> yeah, man, you're like, what? Shit's crazy. So now that, now, you know, during COVID, everybody became a doctor overnight. What's, what's that like? You know, everybody's yeah, telling you telling you what you know they're telling you how covid works they're telling you oh, man. like how the vaccines work they're telling you the doc the professional the guy that went to ten school for 10 years i think what's that like like um the surgeon general put out a statement um in the u.s saying you know so we list the biggest like medical issues like mm -hmm. you know there's like heart disease diabetes you know different yeah. types of cancer stuff like that but now one of the things he listed was the one of the basic biggest health concerns is misinformation yeah. you know and it's so hard i think to have a dialogue with people now yeah. it's like it's not a dialogue it's always an argument i'm yeah, like exactly. we just need to have a conversation but like people don't even want to listen to what i have to say a lot of times now is there a lot of politics involved not really to be honest some of it is like my master's in biomedical technology a lot is like basic science yeah. you know and people want definitive dates people want like definitive things like people think like a virus works like you know 
like clockwork, like a machine. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's a little different. There's a little variability to everybody getting sick. Like one pneumonia is different than the next pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Like one heart failure is different than another heart failure. One person that's diabetic is treated than another person that's diabetic. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of like flexibility in you know medicine. And it, that's why they call medicine an art. It's an art of practice. Yeah. We call it a practice because we're always practicing because yeah. it's never the one patient you can never look at you and Mav and be like, I'm gonna treat you the exact same way. Yeah. It's, it's a little different. So it's hard to tell people that, and I don't blame people too, there's a lot of confusion. Like yeah. when this all happened, it takes time to get data. It takes time to, to understand, but, and trusting the process takes time, I get it. But people that like blatantly are just like, this is wrong, I think is that's very dangerous. Yeah. And like even posting like, even like now, like I think twice before I post something because I'm like, am I super confident about this? Do mm-hmm. I know for sure? Because if I post something and it's not right, like is someone else gonna take yeah, this yeah. information and make a big decision in their life for it? Yeah. But I think people don't think through a lot of stuff right now and I think that's the scary thing. Um, and think like, you know, the policies and we're frustrated, like as men, people don't understand like are frustrated. We're frustrated with the CDC know them changing the guidelines that don't like yeah. make sense but they make sense in terms of their political way but it's not doesn't change my practice right now yeah. it's, just, it's a guideline but I'm still like researching myself and looking up stuff and like I'll tell people like honestly like if they ask me a question like about the new antiviral that the pill like yeah. blacks of it that they're using I'm like when it first came out they're like can I just get it can I just get it they don't want the vaccine, but you want this. I'm like, okay, tell me your logic, you know. Um, and then they don't have a. Is it exactly the same? No, it's not. It's a totally different thing. And like, and I was like, you know, I and I tell my patients like, I need a little bit of time. So I'd be like, I might take a pill more than vaccine, but yeah, but like, I don't know my logic behind it. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, and I, I need better. time too. So I tell my patients like, you know, why don't you come back in a week? You know, yeah. I'm gonna wait a little bit, get some more information, talk to some of my colleagues. Yeah. research this from an academic standpoint and see if this best is for you yeah. because what are the side effects if you have HIV it can make you more resistant it can cause liver issues if you're on a cholesterol pill it can cause more muscle aches that's sometimes mm-hmm. a cholesterol pill and then your kidney shut down so it's like it's you know it's a decision I have to make with somebody but then yeah. people are coming in and like demanding and you're like yo this might not be good for you like yeah. I'm telling you I can tell you the vaccine is still going to be good for you. You might have, like, a, a side effect or something. But, yo, this, with your medical conditions, might kill you. Like, yeah, yeah. it still will work for a lot of patients and be really good, the best option for them to have. But, like, yeah. you know, there's people want, like, a yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Yeah. It's, like, it's you got to find a middle ground to see if this works for you. There's a lot of great meds, you know, yeah. but they have to fit the right person. It's, like... You hear about all these different depression meds, you know, and you have to fit the right depression med with the right person, the right symptoms. Yeah. It takes time. All this stuff takes a lot of time. But, um, what about the, uh, the ivermectin or whatever, the Joe Rogan one, how, how... I mean, ivermectin was, like, a huge thing. I mean, Joe Rogan, to be honest, I haven't watched a ton of that that podcast. I've only watched a little bit, so I'm not going to say things that I don't know necessarily for sure. But from an academic standpoint, from the research I've read, it really hasn't seen, you know, much benefit. There was a lot of different medications. That's the crazy thing is, like, 
so much of people's mentality is like the hype behind mm. something, you know? It he said it so it went viral. There's a lot of yeah. other medications at that time people were trying out too. Like singular, Monte Lucas for asthma patients had a study on it. Like yeah. all these other different medications had a study on it. If it's helping or not, is it helping or not? Yeah. Ivermectin, I mean, I've used it overseas. I've never honestly used it here. So when it came up for COVID, I was like, you know, this is something that's pretty potent. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to let an expert, if they're going to use yeah. it, I'm going to let like straight up like an expert decide yeah. because it's out of my realm and the study so far showed that it doesn't show much of a benefit yeah. but there's all these concierge services now that people can pay for it and they're getting like third party like ivermectin to just yeah. take on their own and it, it's hard to because a virus is, it's a 10 day treatment like you know you feel shit for 10 days for covid you quarantine yeah. for 10 days and then you have complications for some people yeah. so it's funny because like the same thing with a lot of antibiotics when people don't need antibiotics it's like Yo, by the time you're done this, you're gonna feel good, regardless. you know. Regardless, yeah. so it's like, it's oh, that worked now. perfect for me. Like, yeah. I'm like, I didn't think you needed that to be honest, yeah. you know. But is there's dangers associated with that? I think the biggest advice I can give is like, you know, doing research is uh, it's a process you have to teach yourself. Yeah, everyone's like an online researcher. I'm an online researcher when it like for other stuff too, you know. Yeah. But you have to know what channels are like non-biased when channels are like biased what what like when if you read a research paper people are like i read a paper i'm like what was the power of the study do you know that is do you yeah. know and who funded well, it yeah. who funded it who was the how many patients did they see did they do this on five people so you, you test on five people yeah. so you're going to do this for like a million people because yeah. five people had like a positive outcome out of like 50 that's like that's not right you know yeah. so people have to learn how to distinguish like real data from bad data and I think that's the biggest issue in our future health for like the Millennials and everyone else is like so much information like on yeah. Instagram constantly bombarded there needs to be like a way to navigate that information yeah. and with medicine it's scary because like so much medicine is media hype you know yeah. so it's like like the ivermectin thing was like crazy because there's so much other stuff going on I was yeah. like, yo, this is the last thing on my mind right now. Yeah. How is this the number one talked about thing right now? Are, is it true we're the, we're the only country in the world that advertises medicine? Um, I don't know about that. I mean, it's different for different countries. I mean, we definitely have pharmaceutical companies, but there are healthcare laws in place. Yeah. Like, back in the day, pharmaceutical reps could, like, shoes a doctor, like, put them on a vacation somewhere. Yeah. So they, like, promote their products. In other countries, they still do that. Uh, like, in Asia, they do that and stuff like that still. Like, yeah. the pharmaceutical companies will try to, like, promote their medication over another one. Yeah. And it's up to, like, a doctor's morality, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun. But here, here, there's at least laws that protect, like, yeah. that's illegal. And yeah. doctors have gotten caught and it's good they should and they should be reprimanded yeah. for that because that's you should be practicing unbiased medicine yeah. you know you should treat the same person black brown white yeah. doesn't matter say like you know unbiasedly uh, like, problem because my mom uh she's proud of like opiate crisis you know yeah man she's addicted to uh, any, any person really and, uh, and then when she can't afford the pills you know goes down from there whatever but uh because of that I've been traumatized my whole life, and I don't. I can't yeah. even take time out without being worried about yeah. and stuff like that. You know, so it's like <clears throat> that's where I stand on the vaccines. I was just, uh, I'm always like, eh, 
I had to put nothing yeah. in my body because it's, you know, I'm always be sick. It's of scary, man. It's, it's really scary. So what do you say to people that are like me? Because I'm trying to be more open-minded and realize I'm only getting older and there's going to be times I'm going to have to take medicine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so I think then, it comes do down to like, to the other point too and kind of how it can segue into that is just people researching online just really bugs me because like we talked about it. Yeah. Like what you have to do, not even as... Um, just in the, the like medical field, but like as a student, you have to like cite your sources, you have yeah. to find counter uh, information. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's like it's so like most of the stuff could be like pretty much like handled if people knew how to actually mine for data and research instead of just being like this podcast. That's why I was just like Joe Rogan just says dumb shit and people follow it. <laughs> like I need he's to one watch of the the full podcast. I need to give like, it He's one of the most, like, ignorant people to hear talk because he's just like, well, throw all that out the window because, like, I have this challenge, like, like this bro mentality. Well, you know, what what if, like, it was aliens? or He'll say some dumb shit like that, and he just, like, takes it way out of context. He's still a comedian at the end of the day, so he's a joke. But, I mean, like, regardless, it's like, he's talking about shit, like, he's, like, like, uh, constantly putting out people, like, like this ego mentality that everybody, if they don't remember it, it kind of get. I won't go into that tangent about the Mandela effect, but like you don't remember it, yeah. therefore it's got to be some giant cover government conspiracy. It was fucking some innate data that you don't remember, whether yeah. like it was something super serious or something just kind of like like it's never anything serious. It's yeah. never like the George Washington Monument was sideways. Yeah. It's always like the Coke can had two lines instead of one underneath it. Like. Yeah. It's always some mundane information, yeah. but it's like that, that kind of like ties into the idea is like, nobody's going to research any of that. Yeah. Nobody's going to find counter, like they, it, it's this, uh, confirmation bias that gets created. Yeah. Confirmation. That's like, yeah, man, you so hit it right on the nail. Echo chamber, confirmation bias. Nobody's like, and that's why I think it's so important about this research stuff is you will research like the counter like if you present something it's in your practice to research the opposite the opposite of yeah. it to formulate the best solution because then you're like oh i can come to this conclusion because i looked at the other data and was able to look at it and see how it does it challenged mine but then i was able to figure out a solution to that challenge and therefore have a better end product because yeah. you can find anything on the internet like if you looked up like garlic prevents heart attack i'm sure you're gonna find that on the internet mm-hmm. you know what i mean I mean, look up the counter. Does it not for like you know like yeah, you know, heartburn? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, here's why it doesn't. Yeah, but to go back to your point, I I think it's tough and like I have a lot of empathy for you in like that situation. Yeah. It's very hard, you know, dealing with that. And you know, I can't say how I would feel if I was in your situation. You know, yeah. in terms of the medical system, medication, there's a lot of fear. But I think there's a lot of, like, space for growth in those yeah. situations, not just you, but, like, is, like, you already are telling me, like, your biases. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? You're already telling me, like, you know, I'm more hesitant because of this. Yeah. That's already, like, a good space for growth. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that's where people are missing is, like, humbling themselves yeah. enough to have some room to grow because when you're too sturdy you know what i mean you're not gonna change at all you're not gonna be any more malleable and like you know hopefully you know you meet someone that you can trust whether it's a medical professional or someone that has a good idea of health in general guide you because 
like I don't want to give anything to anybody. This is my like that I wouldn't give to myself or my family if yeah. they really needed it, you know. But does this person know anything about these medications? No. So it's my privilege and it's an honor that they're trusting me with their life yeah. that I can make that decision for them. Like when you in the go in the hospital, if you're having a stroke, you're not going to go through every medication. You just have to trust the system yeah. because that's our job to you know take care of you and. As long as you find someone you trust, like whether it's me, like, you know, or somebody else, like hold on to those people because you're going to be healthier. You're going to be happier because yeah. I, I really don't think everything is like big pharma running like my mind, you yeah. know, and like stuff like that. Like really like telling you I'm doing this because I I'd care. I'm not perfect, but I can give you better information than the Internet could. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, but I think you already thinking in that space is like huge. Yeah, huge. Sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's the whole point of podcast is that there's there's no way you know everything. <laughs> there's there's no way. I'll be you the first everything. to admit that. Hell and no. then even if you are excited about something, there's probably some shit you don't know. It's like uh, like for me, moving to Arizona, I opened my eyes a lot and I saw how great a place can be. You know what I mean? But then when I get with Mab. He's like, well, yeah, but let's talk, let's look at the capitalism that was involved, and let's look about the uh, like where people got exploited, and like you know, what I mean? shit like that. And then I'm like, oh, okay, all right, now I'm seeing, you know, because at first I'm like, what's the problem if we build a bunch of new buildings and knock down these old houses and build dope new houses? Like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? Like, yeah. don't we want to do that? And then it's like, well, no, because then we won't be able to afford to live here no more. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. like shit like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I yeah. can see. It always even to something, you know? What I'm yeah, saying? for sure. And I'm trying to conquer all of that <laughs> and I think, I think that's where to yeah. like the point of like to tie that in though like about the research and stuff like that and just the humility of like I don't want to engage with medicine in a certain way because I have family history right with <clears throat> issues that are traumatic to me and don't make me want to do it right yeah. and then it's like marrying that with like your own research which comes into like is a form of meditation you know being able to uh, uh, um uh, unpack a lot of that trauma and understanding like oh here is where the triggers were and here's where they happened and once you start unpacking that and then it's like then it opens up to spaces where like you're able to understand because i'm not full in on western medicine either yeah. and everything i definitely like try to like find people talk i don't know how many times i talk to you about stuff or or cato and stuff like that yeah. and our other homies in the circle just to be like what do you think about this i think i hit cato up right out the gate just about like what his thoughts were um because i knew he wasn't i wasn't going to bother you i knew you were neck deep in the middle of it and i hit up uh cato and a couple other people just because i knew like cato does like physical therapy right but he's still involved in it so it was like able to like oh okay i can like like find from people that are in the field and talk about stuff like that yep. and just being able to like uh, 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 I don't want to say debunk, but like unpack, unpack a lot of the issues with that, and a lot of that will come with research when you start digging, and that's the point of like I was saying about the research stuff yeah. and just the confirmation bias. You start getting into too much of the one opinion, you start just looking to reinforce that opinion. We just naturally mm -hmm. do it, and that's the whole yeah. point of like a yeah, confirmation I got, bias. Like, close friends that like do that, and it's hard to even have a conversation. I'm like, yeah. I'm not trying to like call you an idiot or anything. I just want to. <laughs> yeah. But you are. Yeah, but, you are. <laughs> like, but like literally, because you're doing that, not because of your viewpoint. It's like yeah. literally, you're your own worst enemy. Yeah. And you, this is gonna hurt you at some point. Yeah. You know yeah, yeah I mean? There's there's nothing worse than conversating with someone that you like really fuck with. And they just refuse to like maybe be like oh yeah I'll look into it I'll look yeah. it up or like 
or just you know even this it's like ah no it's, it's like, especially after Trump and and they're out COVID one, like, it's, it's always hostile like yeah, immediately man. you know it's like, one, one thing I say in medicine is like every decision we make there's a risk but there's a benefit yeah. and it's that balance I'm risk keeping it's like you know, the benefits out this far outweigh the risk. Sure, you might have some muscle aches with this medication, but you might not have a stroke or a heart attack yeah. again. I don't know <laughs> which one sounds better to me. Like, yeah. you decide. Like, I just want to let you know that that's the risk, but that's the benefit, and yeah. you make the decision. That's, like, what I, like, a way I try to have people make a decision, not flat out say no. Yeah. And I love when my patients come in with, like, information. You know, yeah. I had, like, a kid with autism and they were talking about like this specific diet and I was like to be honest like I don't know much about it I haven't heard much about it but I'll go and do this research trust me to delineate this information because I'm trained to delineate information and research as a researcher but like trust me so I went back I'm like okay this is what looks good this is what I'm not sure about the article this information I don't think is a good idea but this is what I see would be beneficial for your child and they're like okay thank you because like I'm like I'm setting my limitations. I'm telling them what my professional opinion is, but like that conversation is being had and I'm giving my recommendations whether they follow it or not, but at least a conversation's being had, yeah. you know? And I think that's what I appreciate about people. I'm not, I don't want to expect things from people that they're not comfortable doing, yeah. but I wanna have a conversation. Like I'm trying to help you. Yeah. When you come in demanding something, that's what scares me. Those people scare me because at one point in their life, whether they're five years or 10 years going, go down the road something bad is gonna happen yeah. you know what i mean because they're gonna think they're smarter than they are yeah. realistically yeah. It, control of every situation and yeah. it's, it's like people entering a space and not understanding the difference between like uh debate discussion and dialogue like Dude. it's Preach, common man. fucking like just communication yeah. like if you come into a space and people are talking and you're like the dialogue is like community building like uh debate is might is right and uh, dialogue is sharing perspective. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, our discussion, dialogue, discussion, yeah, debate, discussion, dialogue, and stuff like that. The dialogue is the community one. Uh, discussion is like bringing perspective and stuff like that. And it's not so much to like change anybody's mind, it's just like to, uh, like share a little bit more about, like, here, let me, like, uh, give you a little bit more insight. Mm-hmm. And, um, debate is just like you know like everybody basically everybody only knows how to debate like they only know how to bring the argument to like they only know how to bring their point in argument as opposed and and it's right as opposed to like what do you think about this and subjective and again back to like the uh, idea of research and talk and discussion between people and stuff like that like if you don't if you don't practice that or you weren't taught to communicate that way or engage Mm -hmm. like methodically in that in that method then you're just like oh well this is it and you pound it on the table and yeah. just you know trump shit and then <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like it, there's a fear complex to that too you know if someone tells you not to do something because it like you know they read something like yeah, yeah. you know they're more inclined to just listen to that and not look at being like you know yeah. is this really true or am i being scared yeah. so a lot of people that it's funny because it's like a psychological thing a lot of people are like I know she, like, yeah. I'm part of the government system, I blah, blah. Like I am, but, but I'm like, you're listening to, like, a lot of fear-based information. Yeah. You're not really looking at the other side. Carl Just Tucker look at it. <laughs> make make your decision after, but at least look at the information. At least yeah. navigate that research and look at the counter-arguments. Like, don't just be like, 
you know, be so one-sided when you haven't even looked at the other side. Like, yeah. how are you going to see the trees? Like, exactly. You know, so, and it's easy plane, to do that, like, but it, it's a lot harder to just sit down and look at the, look some yeah. shit up or realize or, like, yeah. So it, and it's funny because, like, everybody's like, well, you just jumped right in them. And, the, and I'm pretty, like, radical with a lot of my politics and the way I see things and yeah. stuff, but I was like... Yeah, but like medical wise, I kind of trust that side of things. Like, yeah. I, you know, like I know I've looked yeah. into and seen where it comes from, and then the CDC did what it did just recently, and I'm just like, oh fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah. Just, and, <laughs> and you know, it's crazy because like sometimes I feel like I'm trying to make the right decision. Like I'll have that discussion with one medication. You know, these yeah. are the side effects. Most likely won't have them. There's a chance. I'll help. Like for example, I'll help a hundred people with this one medication one comes back with the side effect i'll be like fuck i like it's hard for me to sleep at night because yeah. i'm like did i make the wrong decision no it's the same thing we're going back to it's like i did the best i could with my ability yeah. we shared a decision the decision was made like you know yeah, yeah. together but it's it's one of those things where it's like it's not just the i get the argument like the government and the pharmaceuticals like there are governing bodies that make my life fucking impossible you know yeah. but i'm still a human and still trying to do the best I can, you know? Yeah. And people forget that. Like, it's not, I don't represent these people yeah, and their yeah, views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just in a system and I'm trying to help people that have to be a part of that system. Yeah. Do you, you like uh, Dr. Fauci or you think he's just like a capitalist? Um, he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I don't look like, I don't hold anybody super high. Like, Dr. Yeah. Fauci is like wrote most of my textbooks he's like one of the most famous like infectious disease experts yeah. epidemiologists like i i was all my basic understanding of stuff comes from him yeah so he's I, like the michael jordan of your trade yeah <laughs> like he's one of them like he's like yeah. you know larry bird he's up there and he's like taught yeah. classes and he's helped a lot of people like i don't i can't i'll say like i don't know all of his like incentives and stuff like that but like i can say he's he was put in an impossible situation. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was gonna, like, realistically, yeah. he's gonna become the villain either way. If you put him in, like, what was the quote by the Joker and the Batman, or it was like, yeah. you live long enough to become the villain, yeah. he was literally Two like, Face. Two Face. He yeah, either yeah, die a hero or live long enough to he, become I the villain. I feel like that was his situation, really, yeah. you know? I don't think he had poor intentions for anybody. I think, yeah. like, the over-precaution is probably the best thing when, like, people are dropping dead. Yeah. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not going on, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I can't really comment on his, like, involvement with, like, financial side. I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows to a full extent. Yeah. But, you know, I think his recommendations as an expert in medicine were all pretty good. And the way he's looking at the epidemiology curls, how pandemics go in the past, I thought that was, like, great information. Like, because what do we learn the most from history? Yeah, and he like, pioneered the whole, uh, like, the HIV, the HIV AIDS yeah, stuff. Dude, that was, like, like yeah. all was of him. And, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not smart enough. If they put me in front of, like, the World Council and was, like, fucking handle COVID, I'd be like, fuck, no, I ain't qualified. Yeah. He probably was the most qualified person, yeah. like, you know? He wrote most of like that those textbooks on how to analyze viruses, diseases. He handled the HIV. Pandemic. Yeah, that's the thing is nobody you know? was really 
more prepared or at least I, I, nobody had the experience that he did yeah you know what i mean like i don't think there was anybody that because he <clears> led <throat> that and i don't not cure but like manage the whole aids epidemic in a yeah. way that like wasn't done and stuff you good man can you can you imagine if we just like didn't listen to his, his advice though like imagine mm-hmm. the opposite imagine he didn't exist and it was just trump making the decisions and being like yeah, yeah. Sure dude like i can't i was barely like existing working in the hospitals we had people dying in the hallways and like it was like insanity yeah. i can't imagine that any time worse i just feel that day he was like he was like what is he? he was basically like ah, it'll go away or you know so like that like, <laughs> dude was denying it like <laughs> yeah he was just like so yeah he was like uh yeah this like whatever a, happens we're totally prepared like yeah. i think it's a slap <laughs> to the face you know yeah. i had one n95 i was putting in the oven every yeah. single night for 20 minutes because that was, that was the only oven. one i had it was like a harvard study i read how to clean like one n95 mask and my friend sent it to me. He's like, you only got one, so, like, read this study, and, like, this is probably your best bet. So I, like, yeah. used that. that. That was so crazy to watch, like, okay, we're all fucking paranoid, we're all scared, and the only people who are our first line of defense is fucking using garbage bags yeah. and having to reheat their masks. Yeah, we no got these gloves, giant no fucking military planes yeah. and everything equipped for them, and the military budget's right. huge, and we got this fucking pandemic, and we're still, mm-hmm. we're struggling. Like, it's just funny because it's like, you know, America hypes itself up to be this, like, huge, and, like, look at where we're amazing, and then our fucking first line of defense is using garbage bags and reheating one mask. Yeah. That is America, in a sense. Yeah, and, and, sentence. like, I, I manage staff and like so many of them get COVID and it's just yeah. like it's tough and now the hospital systems are like well you know we need you <laughs> so yeah. just wear a mask and you're like what the hell if the, if the pandemic time anything it's China's top dog <laughs> yeah. China's like top dog dude low key um, low key like who knows what that country's doing honestly yeah, they're crazy the, like the king of medicine king of everything King construction and yeah. industrial building. Other Saudi Arabia is pretty dope with the so, way they build. They're terrifying though, dope but terrifying. Yeah. They're like one of those like silent partners, you know, the Saudis in the background. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, we don't have a relationship yeah. with them, but they're yeah, like funding yeah. all this crap. You ever seen Dissident? Dissident. The, the Dissident. No, I don't think so. It's about this guy who was he was like really close with the Saudi prince, and he started like, like. Uh, kind of checking them but like not like even in a bad way just kind of like well maybe we shouldn't do that like do your humanitarian shits like that stuff like that and uh, he started off and off everybody that did that but he realized he was about to get out like killed and he just dipped but then he teamed up with a bunch of other people and found out so much different shit it's terrifying yeah you know world's a scary place like my dad um dad also has a phd in international relations and so he's like worked he does public safety for like South Asia anti-terrorism and yeah. like when Egypt stuff went crazy my, that was like my dad like giving recommendations and stuff. so he tells me all these stories a lot of it like um, he doesn't say too much because it's like confidential Yeah. but the world is a scary place man yeah. it really is it's like it is like so much going out there's so much money out there yeah. that like people have no idea that's oh, just yeah. like it's floating insane. around and corruption like my, my grandfather uh, he was in military uh, he was military and uh, FBI and ATF and you know like I have a love-hate relationship with the law but one thing I can say about my grandfather is that if anybody fucked him over the, the most it was the government because you know he couldn't pay him to look to turn his head and so he just constantly got fucked over by the CIA yeah. by people ahead wow. of him and FBI and all that and 
He can't even watch a movie without getting pissed off and like yeah. thinking about like yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. thinking about you know how much she's gotten fucked over, how like close he got to the like, Escobar and then shut down or like turned away or people be like, Oh, we'll handle it from here, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, he hates Escobar. He hates all wow. of that stuff. I feel like your family has like the coolest history. Well, like, your grandpa is like, <laughs> like, all over the place. Like, yeah. What about this? What about this? Oh, we didn't get our, your dad and my grandpa yeah. together, bro. <laughs> Just like solve world peace. Yeah. Like, that's all we had to do. <laughs> that's all the world needed. Like, there yeah. no two pandemic. older guys that like hang, hang out with each other. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah, you're right. It's your fault, too. Yeah, you're right. Well, we're coming on an hour and a half. I usually try to keep it an hour and a half. You got any uh, closing statements, anything like uh, people that are aspiring to be young doctors in school for it now, and maybe people are entering in COVID, and what, what do you have to say? Um, I think for, like, anyone, I think whether it's young doctors or anyone going to a profession trying to, like, help people, I think it's a very tough time, you know? Yeah. But I think I don't regret anything I did, yeah. you know? I If I'm living a fulfill, fulfilling life, yeah. this is a fulfilling life, you know? Oh, yeah. Really, like... It's hard, you know, I'm not gonna deny that. It's tough days, good days. But, you know, as long as you keep that in mind, what the bigger purpose is and not your loss in the weeds yeah. of like the day to days and the hardship day to days, I think you'd be all right, you know? Yeah. And find people that support you. I think that's a big thing is like surrounding yourself with the team, you know? Yeah. Everybody on your team provides you something else, but as long as they have the best intentions for you, like, you know, that's what you need to build yourself. You need to build yourself yeah. over time. You need people that you trust. But, um, you know, it's a tough time. I have a lot of empathy for students, and I teach a lot of students. But I have a lot of respect for yeah. people in, in my field because it's, uh, like, the expectations are enormous, you yeah. know. Um, and so I give props to anybody, even yeah. if they're trying, even if they're not in medicine. Their intentions there, their energy's in the right place. Yeah. That's my only advice, and for, I guess, just people in general, whoever's listening, you know, maybe just take some time, talk to people, to ask people, what do you think about my opinion, you know, yeah. have a dialogue, you know, I don't, at the end of it, it's your decision, no one's going to force you to put a vaccine in you, no one's going to force you to take, like, a medication, yeah. no one's going to force you to do anything, but don't be your own worst enemy, I think that's, like, my biggest advice, like, yeah. have some room to grow, you know, have some room to discuss and Maybe not everything you're thinking about is correct. Maybe yeah. some of it is, sure, but maybe some of it, like, you know, you might be doing yourself and other people around you harm, so yeah. just be a little more malleable, I think. That's my advice to people. Yeah, don't get all your advice from CNN or, or Fox News. That <laughs> 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 all your better advice. Man, you want to close out anything to the people? Uh, nah, this one's on Narpon, man. Yeah, you summed it up yeah the truth, everything. I appreciate yeah, you coming Yeah, here. man, thanks for having me. This is something literally definition of being ignorant too is everything you just said <laughs> like, you know medical field and all that I was already I was like I didn't have to write anything down like I already know I have a million questions that I can ask on the top even of um, stuff with Haiti and understanding like the history of like imperialism and yeah. why that space is the way it is yeah. it's just like yeah. hey, that's what I'll end with like all this shit ties back in together like all that like you're in Haiti doing that work right because of institutions from yeah. a few hundred years ago that stripped a whole country or a whole land of its resources and then left its people and then taxed the people because they fought for their freedom. Yeah. So it's just like actual freedom fighters and people who actually did uh, overthrow a government to remove them from occupying their land and they got the shitty end of the stick yeah, even man. at the end of it. So like your whole 
It's just like you exist. You your ten year uh, um, uh, mission in um, or your ten year work in uh, Haiti is because of all of that shit and how this stuff is all tied in together. Yeah, man, everything is tied together. The moment you think you know something to a T is usually when you're wrong about something. I feel yeah. like you know, and it's crazy. Like there's so much history, so much I don't know. I'm still learning. Like I've been in Haiti for ten years and I'm still learning about the history about slavery and history. Do you speak French? Like, well, me? Oh, hell no. What, what do you? How do you communicate out there? Out there, uh, I have a translator. I use a lot of body language. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I navigate uh, here yeah. in the Southwest. I got, yeah. <laughs> I got some translators, but like I don't speak a lick of uh, Spanish. Um, I don't speak any Creole. I don't yeah. really. I was, I was a. I should know French. I grew up in yeah. Canada, but I was like, fuck. But this. like you know, that's a whole other thing. A fucking. Like, <laughs> But yeah. uh, <laughs> no, just just English, Rob. Yeah. Just, I use Google Translate a lot and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? All right, man. All right, man. Appreciate you, bro. Thanks, Appreciate guys. Thanks for everybody. having me. Take care. Yeah. Tune in. Later.